Have you ever listened to the Peace on Drugs podcast? On weed? Oh, there's some weird shit in there, man. There's a dude sitting in the bushes, man. Does he have a gun? I don't know, man. I don't know. What? What? Red team, go. Red team, go. It's just some weird shit, man. All right, if you're enjoying the Peace on Drugs podcast, make sure to go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. It helps grow our listenership. Also, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Peace on Drugs podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter, www.thepeaceondrugs.com. This week's podcast is a mom cast. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for listening. This week, I sat down in the living room of the house I grew up in, and I talked to my mom for the first time, completely open, face-to-face, about some of the different things that happened growing up with my drug use and with friends that were selling drugs, things she didn't know about. I was like, they have your daughter at gunpoint. So her dad grabs the shotgun, mom calls 911. I get in the car with the dad with the shotgun. I'm 18. I'm making the worst decisions throughout this whole story. Oh my gosh. I I can't believe all this happened. This is like a movie. I know. And I remember one time him coming in the door. That's the first time I ever smelled pot on you. It was in seventh grade. You walked. I was sitting watching TV. You walked past it and I'm like, I know that smell. I said, I have not smelled that smell since I was 18, but you've been smoking pot. And of course you turned around and said, I know some guys I was with started smoking. I didn't do it. Um, (laughs) But the guys I, I was with were smoking it and that's why I smell like it. All right, that's my mom. That's this week's podcast, The Mom Cast. Happy Thanksgiving. On this week's podcast, the Thanksgiving special is brought to you by The Peace Pipe. Though there is no single word for all ceremonial pipes, which vary across hundreds of diverse Native American languages, in English it is most commonly referred to as The Peace Pipe. There are many reasons the natives would have these pipe-smoking ceremonies, only one of them being the signing of a peace treaty. They were also used before going to war, or to sign trade deals, and many other things. Of all the reasons they would smoke the pipe throughout all the tribes, there was a universal respect for the ceremonial pipe. In ceremonial usage, the smoke is generally believed to carry prayers to the attention of the Creator or other powerful spirits. So this Thanksgiving, after your grandpa says a prayer, thank him for honoring Christian traditions of the English settlers, and then ask if you may honor the natives by doing a native prayer, and pull out a pipe and start praying. Put whatever you want in it, ganja, tobacco, opium. If grandpa's really into God, pack it with some DMT. Take him straight to the source. Okay, let's go ahead and dive into this week's Thanksgiving special, The Momcast. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug Drugs are menacing our society. Any thoughts on the drug problem? I had a great time doing drugs. So tonight, from our family to yours, from our home to yours, 
Thank you for joining us. This is the piece on drugs. drugs. All right, so I'm here with my mother and my wife, and I just did a podcast with Kristen, and I was going to come over here and do a podcast, and then I decided I was just a little too tired, and I told my mom, like, we have to, we need to do this podcast, but maybe we'll do it tomorrow, and then you brought up something that you were like, well, it'd be cool to talk about this, and we started talking about it, and I was like, you know what, let me go get my laptop, let's just do it, so here we are, sitting here, and we were talking about, we're going to, because I wanted to talk about kind of my childhood, that my audience know me a little bit, and you were talking about my art teacher, and I usually... Um, leave people's names anonymous because I don't want to throw people under the bus when I'm talking about drugs. But Miss Boston, she, it wasn't that she was on drugs. She was a horrible person, I think. And I'm not afraid to say her name. Her name was Miss Boston. She was a teacher at Forest View High School. She was my art teacher. And my mom brought up... That he had some wonderful art. They were supposed to draw a sneaker. And your sneaker... We raised Aaron in a Christian church and taught him there's a heaven and there's a hell. Well, he had his sneaker in hell, and he had like a snake coming out of it. It was a great piece of art. I, I like that's how you interpreted that drawing. Because what, what it was... <laughs> I thought it was. Well, yeah, well, it, it, it was. I mean, you're not wrong. Well, what it was is this was art. I want to say art two or art three. It was because I had made it through the other art classes, but she didn't like me already, just from in those classes. But this class, she's like, all right, now we're going to actually put some emotion into your artwork. So the, I remember in art one, you drew your shoe. That was it, just draw a shoe. So I drew my shoe. Art three, I believe it was art three, draw your shoe, but this time you're gonna add some emotion. Now where I'm at now, what I would do is try to make the shoe really look like it'd been, been on a long journey. You know, just those little subtle things would be awesome. Yeah, but as, be a, awesome. as a 16 year old kid, I think emotion means hell. So my shoe, had a demon like attacking the shoelaces. It had a snake bursting through the middle of it. And there was, I think the snake was breathing fire. So the shoe was kind of on fire. And it was awesome. I mean, it really was <laughs> an awesome piece of work. And it's ridiculous that she thought you needed a psychiatrist, honestly. Well, it, it was a religious school, wasn't it? No, it was, oh, no this it was a public school. No. Okay, yeah. And so she. Well, that, that wasn't the only piece of artwork. That was the one that, she, that was one of them. She said... I think that was the one that threw her over the edge, though, where I, she I thought... I think it was. I think that was the first one. Oh, the okay. second one, she was... They were like, we're going to make a stamp. And it was a, a, a thing that you carve out. What, whatever you don't want to be there, you carve out. And then you have a stamp that you can dip in ink and stamp on something. So I drew what would look like the skeletal remains of like... A, think about when they dig up a dinosaur. It would be the skeletal remains of a dinosaur. However... Mine were the skeletal remains of a demon. So I had like the, the devil tail and the, the bat kind of wings and the scary face. But as I was doing the work, she's like, this is really good. I really like what you're doing. And I kept doing it. And then when I got done and she finally saw what it was, she's, she like, she's like, this is blasphemy. This is awful to the principles. And she called you. Yep. And, that's, and they had that artwork plus a Marilyn Manson portrait I had done because we were supposed to do a portrait of somebody. I picked Marilyn Manson again, 16. <laughs> and, and the shoe drawing. I think it was those three were the centerpieces. There might have been a few others that she thought, but she was Yeah, like, because they sent them with us to the... Emergency Mental Health. Yes, Emergency Mental Health. Wow. And, really? Um, mm-hmm. And the psychologist sided with us, thought your work was just yeah, awesome. Yeah, she's like, well, he's a kid. kids. Yeah. Kids have these phases and, and 
you said 16 years old, right? Maybe 15. 15. Maybe 15. Maybe yeah. 15. I was young. Yeah. Don't, I, I wasn't really into school at that point, but you, you know, there was a lot of questions of what are you thinking about college? Art was the only thing that I considered even going to college with. It was like, I'll go for art. Anything else was boring to me. Well, psychology was also slightly interesting. Like, I was like, I'd like to do that. That's a whole other issue with our psychology teacher, Coach Brown, who ended up getting uh, arrested for sleeping with one of the students. Um, it was a big story in the news. He was our psychology teacher. And I vaguely remember that. Coach Brown. And he, what, he, what happened was is I, I took psychology one, and the whole class was a joke. We literally went in the class and he flirted with the girls in there and he played movies and just let us get away with whatever we wanted. I was snorting Ritalin off the desk and nobody cared. It oh was my just, gosh. It was just a crit- like, they, nobody well, cared. While the teacher was there? I mean, he didn't see me do it, but it just didn't matter. And he wasn't paying yeah. attention. And and then I got a, a 99 in the class. Everybody did. Yeah. He just handed out grades like that. But then psychology too, I wanted to take, because I learned nothing in the first one, but I was interested in the stuff. He talked a little bit about it and it was fascinating. So I wanted to, I signed up for psychology too and he came up to me and he's like, just so you know, I take psychology too very seriously. I don't think you're cut out for this class. And I said, well, I, I really want to do this. I'm into it. He's like, okay, well, you have a whole list of things over the summer that you have to, like all these l- words you what have to learn. What he should have probably taught you. What he should have taught yeah. me in one. Yeah. You have to know for knew. two. He was in and, bad. <laughs> and I said I would learn it, but then I was the kind of kid that once it was... Summer summer break, I just hung out with my friends and didn't do anything. And, and when I went back to school, I tried to power learn it, but I, I didn't spend enough time. And I smoked a lot of pot back then. And I basically, I went in ready to learn and do the class. But he's like, all right, the biggest test is right at the beginning. Are you ready? And I wasn't. He's like, you're not taking this class. So I wasn't able to. So you to. had to drop it. And then soon after that, he got caught sleeping with one of the students. And, and half the coaches quit because they knew they were all up next. Aww. Some crazy things in my high school. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> but yeah. but but the art teacher, Miss Boston. So one of the, the last class I was in there with her, you probably remember this because I got suspended for cigarettes. After the incident with going to emergency mental health, I went back to class and because um, they said they said I was fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah psychologist. Yeah, everything's yeah. fine. He's yeah. not suicidal. He's just a kid who's you know yeah. rebelling or whatever he's doing, and also. Decent artist. So I went back to class, and I remember we got really high before class one day. Also, by the way, I've never talked about getting high before class with my mom until right now. Yeah, I did not know. (laughs) I had, Carrie was just really young, so I had a baby still, really. Well, and also, I wouldn't get high here. I would, my friends would pick me up for school, and then we would smoke, and then we would go to school. And so, you didn't catch me one time. (laughs) <laughs> you the time you walked by and got got the whiff. No, the time that me and uh, David David Knight were standing out on that. I'm pointing at the door in, in the lower Part portion of the, of the house. We were standing outside that door smoking a joint, and it got to the point where it was a roach and a real small. And this is back when you know you had roach clips. Like we had this stuff. Like now nowadays you just throw it in the trash. You don't save the little roaches. But when you're a kid, every last bit counts because you don't have a lot of money. So he hooked up the roach clips, and, and he was hitting the roach and the roach clips right when you walked out. And I remember his face. He kind of looked like Chris Farley. We always call him Chris <laughs> Farley. So he had that Chris Farley, like, in deer and headlights. So he like, <gasps> and you were just, and you just looked at him, and you looked at me, and I looked at you. And I was like, what? And you just slammed the door and walked inside. And I was like, I don't, he's like, are you in trouble? I was like, I honestly, I don't know. 
did I know what you were even? Yeah, you know. You slammed the door. You were like, "You get in trouble." No, I don't know. You might have. You might have because you saw it for a second. You might have thought it was a cigarette. I don't know what you thought it was. But you just slammed the door and went inside. And this is when Dad was working out of town. And so I think I I don't honestly I don't remember if I got in trouble. Yeah. You might. It might have been one of those things where you might have just said, "I do not want that at my house. That will not happen again." Something like that. I don't think I got in trouble, trouble. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I remember one time when you and Jane were in her car and, and a cop followed you guys down the road. Okay, I will tell that story. Okay. I want to get back to Miss oh, Boston, but, let, but yeah. let's tell that story. Okay. So that was, I was having friends over. A few were staying the night. One of my good friends, Cecil. And um, we were all partying and hanging out down there. And of course, when we partied, we were smoking weed and... Really, that was about it, I think, at that age. There wasn't even alcohol. There might have been, somebody might have had a small amount of alcohol, but it was harder to get. But we would smoke weed and listen to music, and we decided to smoke some weed. So we somebody rolled a blunt, and we got in our friend Jane's car to smoke the blunt. So we went off riding down the road to smoke it, and we passed a cop. Well, what we didn't realize is that the cop that passed us had been called to this house because some, it was actually... The neighbor right there, I won't say their name. Oh, yeah, don't say their name. Because and they've had a tragedy with the drug <laughs> yeah, they, war. Yeah, they, they have. have. Yeah, yeah. But um, no. but and they're good people. But, oh, yeah, but at the are. time they were like they're they're over there doing dope or whatever. So, so they they called the cops. The cops came. Well, they passed us when we were passing them. The cop came down here, didn't see anything. Cop was leaving. Like, well, I guess it's nothing. But we thought, well, what was that cop doing? We better go back. So we made the mistake of turning oh. around, passing the cop again, and the cop goes. That must have been the car that we were called on. So when we got back to the cul-de-sac, we got out, and we all went down here, and the cop, we saw the cop pull right up behind the car with his lights shining on the car. And we all sat in my room right there looking out the windows at the cop, and we watched him walk up to the car. And then the cop was about to walk up to the door. You were sleeping. So right. I didn't want him to wake you up. So we went out there, and the cop's like, whose car is that? We're like, that's our friend Jane's. And they had shined the light in the window, and somebody left a... A bowl. A okay, I knew a, there was something. Yeah, there was a bowl full of weed. Yeah. So the cops coming into the house to talk to you, and um, I thought, yeah. So the, I stopped the cop from coming in. I was like, "What's going on? This is my house." He's like, "Whose car is that?" Like, That's our friend James. He's like, "Well, whose pipe is that sitting on the dash?" I was like, "I don't know," and which was honest. I didn't know who, yeah. whose it was. I knew that we all were smoking weed, but I knew that wasn't my pipe. Cecil was immediately like, "That's mine." And he took the took the app, but the cops like, all right, well, I need you to um, whoever li- whoever owns this house, I need them to get up. I was like, that's my mom; she doesn't need to be involved in this. He's like, you're gonna get your mom up, or I'm gonna get her up. Ooh. All right, and he came into the house. He like like I he was walk- standing at the front. Door. Or standing at the front door. Yeah, so, yeah. So, but I had to walk upstairs and wake you up. Yes, yeah, so oh, about geez. three in the morning, I think, wasn't it? Was like it was late. I, don't, it was, I think I it was remember. like three. I think it was super like late. And I Carrie remember. was sleeping in my bed because Dad was out of town, so I had her in bed with me. Oh wow! I so remember waking you up. Like, what Mom, I said? Like, no, I don't. What'd you say? So I came down and the cop was standing there, and he goes, I, "I'm going to need to come in and search your house." And I said, "Where's your warrant?" Right away, I remembered what my uncle said, never let a cop in your house. And I said, um, I said because I, I sound asleep with my baby. Search your house because you saw yeah. somebody with a bowl. I know. And he goes, well, that, <laughs> he pointed at Jane's car and said, well, that car right there has pot in it. And I said, that car right there is not mine and it's not on my property. It's in a public road. He goes, okay, well, thank you. Have a nice night. And he left. 
That was it. He left with Cecil in the back. Oh, I didn't know Cecil. You know what? You're telling me something I didn't even know. Yes, Cecil got arrested for that plot. I did not I guess they left you out of it because, like, you brought up the point, not on your property. But there's nothing you can do for Cecil. Also, North Carolina, even though they're really backwards on their pot laws right now because they don't have medical or anything, they have been at the forefront since... Since I was a kid, they've, they've had marijuana descheduled from a Schedule 1 to its Schedule, I believe, 6. It's in its own category. So in North Carolina, it's always been a pretty small offense. Like, even I have the felonies for the pot plant that I got caught with. And, and it got reduced. Well, not, oh, the, I did have felonies. Right. It got reduced to a misdemeanor, yeah. and in North Carolina, misdemeanor for pot wasn't a lot. However, permanently on my record, stopped me from getting jobs. But it wasn't a big fine. There was like there's there are states where people go to go to prison. Oh for yeah, marijuana. no, I know. I've seen stories where they've yeah. been in prison for ten years for pot. I mean, yeah, and, th- and that hasn't happened in North Carolina. Now with multiple offenses or with a certain amount, it might. But with with the stuff that we got caught with, even Cecil, he was he was out either either the next day or maybe late that mo- yeah. or next morning. He yeah. he wasn't there for long. Still, it was ridiculous. Yeah. He had a little. Pop- well, the little- whole thing with you was ridiculous at the when, when you were living in that trailer, and they found that in a Burger King cup, that little pot plant. Well, <laughs> well so I don't know, and you maybe listened to some of my other podcasts, so you might have learned a little bit about what happened, but you might have not realized that there was there was pot being sold. Oh. There was, and see, I think the cops knew this; they'd figured it out. So what happened was, and this is, this is the first time I'm telling you this. So, and you bought the trailer for me and my friends to rent, and right. we rented it. And um, so me and two of my friends rented it, and one of them sold pot. And he didn't sell a lot, nothing crazy, but he sold pot to, to supplement his income, and he also worked at a porn store. And um, Did I know this guy? I didn't really know him, yeah, I just knew it, you and David. His name was Randy. Oh, I remember Randy. Yeah, I won't say his last name, but his name was Randy. And um, so he was selling pot. And we knew it, and we knew we would get hooked up if he was a roommate and whatever. But again, not selling a lot. We're talking about having a few ounces at a time. And which, again, you guys were like 16 No, this, we were 18. 18. They were 18. 18 at this point. So he was selling pot, and we had just got out of high school. So all the kids at high school started coming over to buy pot because it became like it became this spot to hang. Not just, you couldn't just buy pot there, you could hang out there. Oh, yeah. So it became like the most popular spot for everybody that we went to high school. Wow. Out. Oh, and there was Daddy some... would be great and happy to know that his trailer did that. Well, it, was, was, it was awful. Was, there we... was no like parental supervision. No, it was we were just all 18. a trailer yeah. that was just owned by a bunch of teenagers. Well, it was owned by my, my mom and dad, but we rented it. So they had no idea. It was like, oh, it's, yeah. it's all us. And I worked at a shoe store. Buckley worked at, um, uh, what t- uh, he was a bus boy at. Texas Roadhouse and it oh, was just right. that's right and we just every day was go to work a little bit and then and people would just bring us beer and and, and we didn't have to ever pay for weed because our, our roommates sold it and everybody from our high school was coming and buying it so you guys you guys were like local celebrities in a way and in a bad way <laughs> because, bad way yeah no be, well because there would be nights when we didn't want to hang out and we would tell people we're not having people and they would kind of push the door in and be like almost bully us and be like, yeah, yeah right. You're, you're hanging out and be like, all right, fine. We're hanging out. Like, but they would be like, we brought you beer and like, all right, but we didn't have, I, I wasn't able to be like, no, I said, no, no, get out of my house. It wasn't yeah. like that. And so it became, a, and also our friend, one of our other friends was selling pills. And so he showed up and started kind of had a place to set up and sell pills. And he, I think he ended up getting arrested for that, but somewhere else. But anyway, 
So we're hanging out one day. This is when we got robbed. It was me, my sister, and David Buckley. So our other roommate that was selling pot wasn't there. But he, and he would take his pot with him to work when he sold, or when he, when he wasn't at home because he didn't want anybody to mess with his stuff or oh, whatever. Oh, so there wasn't so, so, that in the house. Yeah. So he, so he went to work, and we're hanging out there, and a car pulls up. But the car did miss our house. That doesn't matter. That's this point I'm going to leave out because it's not even important. Because we thought maybe they got the wrong house. But in hindsight, no, they didn't get the wrong house. Somebody told them, they're selling drugs here. You can rob them. So the car pulls up. The guy gets out with the AK-47 assault rifle. And another big guy gets out with brass knuckles. And there's a girl driving. She stays in the car. And they're running up to the house. And I look at Buckley and I'm like, Buckley, Buckley, they have a gun. Lock the door. And he kind of froze. He didn't know what I was saying. Uh He's looking at me, he's like, and Kristen runs into my room and, and hides in the closet. Oh, Jesus. And, uh, and, they, and they just come into the house. Gone to my head. And again, but it, Buckley just kind of stood there like, what do you want me to do? And it was too late. They just came in. Oh, my God. And, and they held the gun to my head. He actually hit me in the head with the barrel. I had blood coming down my forehead. Like, po- pointed it at my head and then, like, stabbed me with the barrel. And, um, and I remember him, he's just like, where's the money? Where's the drugs? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Again, I was, we did smoked a lot of weed. At the time, even when he left, I thought maybe they we got were, the wrong we house. Kids. It was yeah. so stupid. Of course they got the right house. They were told yeah. by somebody that came and bought from us, told somebody else, hey, I know where you need to rob. They have plenty of money and stuff going through there. We had nothing. I, I think David had $5 and Kristen had $5. Oh Jeez. my God. Oh, well, so what, what, well, they said, if there's anybody else in this house and you're not telling me, I will shoot them. So I was like, Kristen, I was like, my sister's here. She's scared. She, she, she's scared. She's in the closet. She and they, so I was like, Kristen, you have to get out here. And I was, I was furious when, when she came out. She's crying. And I remember staring. At, that's when he hit me. I was staring at him. I was so mad. And he hit me in the head with the barrel. It's like you look at me again. I'll shoot you. And I, so I looked at the ground, and and we and I did I they said, ever find those people? No, I think I know. I think I know who set us up though. And he's dead from a drug overdose. Not saying he deserved it at all, but that's just the truth did, of the matter. Did you ever try yeah. to like seek them down, like to try to find them? We, we well, had, they called the police, right? Well, so as soon as they left, and this is where I say we actually messed up. What I should have done is called Randy and said, we just got robbed because of what you're doing in this house. But I didn't even really put it together. Yeah. I thought, we just got robbed. We got to call the police. Because, you know, I was 18. I was, I was just an idiot. So I call, immediately called the police. They came over. And when they came over, the first thing they did is, like, kind of look, looked at the ashtray and they found some pot seeds. Like, what is this? So I was like, uh, maybe somebody might have smoked some pot here. He's like, yeah, what you guys are doing, you don't need to be doing. Kind of said it like that. And he's like, we'll write a report. And then they left. And that's where we were on their radar. This is a drug uh, house. They got robbed because something's going on here. And they yeah. started watching us. Uh, no, no, nothing about the point that, like, you and your sister were just held at gunpoint by Well, what could they do? What could they do? Well, they wrote a report. I know, but still, that's that's, that's crazy. That was... Yeah, poor Kristen. I bet she was just... Yeah, she was was hiding in the bathroom. Like, that's And that's a good point. I mean, like, there was nothing like, we'll investigate the... The car that you saw, we'll put it... I think they did say, we're going to put out APB for the make and model. They did that. And I remember when you were like arrested... Like, no more further cop. investigation, nothing. Like, just... The investigation was now on us. Yeah. Oh, and, but I do they remember, uh, they must have known who it was, because when, when you were arrested, I remember the guy that lived down here, the cop that was there at the scene. When, I know he, what you're talking about. That's different guys. Oh, because he said you're better off in jail. These people will kill him. Yeah, so that was a different group of people. So what happened then, this is a crazy story, but then fast forward two or three months, 
I'm dating this girl, barely dating her. Like we were kind of hanging out, and she, one of the one of her friends, another young kid, that I think he went to school at Forestview or something. She sent him to buy weed from our house. So he showed up at our house with his boss's car. He had his boss's car, and his boss was a manager at like Boston Market or something. So he showed up with his boss's car to buy weed for his boss. Was sent there by the girl that I was hanging out with, and. He showed up and he pulled out a nine millimeter gun from his glove box and, was, and there was a bunch of people at my house hanging out and he pulled out to show it off. He's like, hey, check out my boss's gun and was showing everybody this gun. He's like, my boss is awesome. And, he, so, and finally, my roommate's like, I was like, you can go in there and get your weed or whatever. So he puts the gun back in the glove box and doesn't lock the car and goes inside to buy weed. When he comes back out, somebody the stole the gun. Oh my God. And there's 20 people at our house. Yeah. Can you pause it? No, I'm just not going to answer it. Um, so, so he freaks out. He's like, he's like, it comes up to me. First of all, I don't even know this kid. I just know he's friends with the girl that I'm hanging out with. And, he, and he's like, Aaron, these guys you do not mess with. This gun, I need this gun back. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know who has it. He's like, you need to find out. I was like, I don't know half the people here. You, this is on you, man. Like yeah. You showed off a gun to a group of people that are drinking and smoking weed and hanging out. And you, and you didn't lock the car. And you just expected nobody would, somebody's going to steal that gun. And so finally he freaks out. And finally he just leaves. Because he keeps yelling at me. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, I don't know where it is. Yeah. So he leaves. So then I get a call maybe two hours later. And it's the girl I'm seeing, hysterical. She's in the car with the boss and two of his friends. Oh my She's God. crying. She says, they have me at gunpoint and, oh they're, and they're not going to let me go till they get their gun back. They're coming to your trailer. Oh. They want their gun oh, so back. Oh, is that when you called the police? Well, I immediately, I said, right now, all drugs out of the trailer. No pot, nothing, everything. Cops will be here. Everything out right now. Everybody scrambled. Drugs out. And I left. I went straight to her dad's house. Her dad's a crazy person. And um, her family was crazy. And I told them what was going on. I was like, they have your daughter at gunpoint. So her dad grabs the shotgun. Mom calls 911. I get in the car with the dad with the shotgun. I say, I'm 18. I'm making the worst decisions throughout this oh whole story. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, I can't believe all this happened. This I, is like a movie. <laughs> I know. So, I go, so we, I, as soon as we get back to the house, the guy's name, I'll just say his name is Robert. Because as soon as we show up, the cops knew him, the, the dad I'm with. He jumps out with the shotgun. The cops point the guns at him like, Robert, Robert, hands in the air. And he holds his hands up like, I'm here for my daughter. Your daughter's fine. At this point, you were already there. Dad was already there. Oh, okay. They were like, your daughter's fine. I think I must have called you or they called. I don't know how you, you got. I don't know how either, but I know they wouldn't let me near. And I'm like, but, we own this place. But that's when they told you that, that like, the guys that I was messing with, the guys that showed up with Ashley, they were like, these are not guys your son needs to be messing with. He's better off in jail. That's what they said. And you said, well, then why aren't you arresting them? And they said, well, they have permits for their weapons. They had permits for the guns that they had. Oh, and that all yeah, I remember them. I remember that. And I was just like, I was so upset and like shaking. And oh my gosh, that was horrible. That was a horrible time in my life, Aaron. I know. What did you do to me? I'm sorry. <laughs> this is what the drug war looks like, is what I'm saying. No. So, <laughs> so then the cops go, well, they had permits for their weapons and they're just looking for a gun that somebody at this house stole. And they came up to me, you know where the gun is? I said, I don't know where the gun is. It was stolen from this car by somebody that was hanging out here. I do not know who it is. They said, well, can we search the house for the gun? Oh, 
when that's this, when they found the, the this, paper cup yes. with the and this is where uh, I could I could have said no you may not search my home and I knew I usually would say that no you yeah. can't but I also knew we just got all the drugs out of the house so I was like sure search the house which is also a stupid thing to say when you you spent an hour getting drugs out of a house that people are doing drugs out you don't know what's in there yeah. but it was the only thing that was left in there was something I forgot about it was the paper I was growing a pot plant in the window with no intention on ever yeah, harvesting was, anything. Like, I know. It wasn't like two inches. It was two yes. inches it tall. Was, well, it was like, all wilted half dead. Yeah. I, I had done this many times just because it was something fun to do with a pot seed in your bag. I knew nothing about cultivation or growing. I promised that plant would have never even became anything. It would have died and I would have thrown it away. I just I thought know, it was I cool. I told the cop that. I said, yeah. look, if it had grown into anything, they would have smoked it, not sold it. Yeah. <laughs> he told me, it doesn't matter if you have a one inch pot plant or a field of 20 oh, acres it's the, that's what they yeah, said it's that's, the same charge that's ridiculous well so, well so what it was though is if you think about it they started their case against us the first time we were that we yeah, got locked yeah. so they had a oh, whole they, case oh, yeah. built yeah they already and, had it and they were waiting for the right opportunity to bust us i put that on the platter for them when i said you can search the house however what they didn't expect was i told all the drugs to get out of the house because yeah. when they went in, they didn't go in looking for a gun. They went in looking for drugs. Yeah, and there was a, there was detectives. They all had the gray shirts. Oh, yeah. Detectives were there. Yeah. They went into that house, tore it apart. Yeah. They came up with one two-inch pot plant. Yeah. I bet you they got chewed out. Oh, yeah, they were, I bet they did. Like, you spent how many months on this investigation? And that's why they charged me with felony possession. And a bunch of teenagers. Bunch of teenagers. Felony possession, yeah. felony manufacturing, misdemeanor paraphernalia, and misdemeanor possession. All charges for one plant. Now, the felonies got dropped, so I ended up with one misdemeanor possession, one misdemeanor paraphernalia, which I still have on my record. But that, that whole thing was because they, they had to give it as many charges as they could because they had spent so many months in this yeah, investigation yeah. to make it look like what it was. Yeah. And Is that when we had that um, lawyer that... He was pretty Larry good. Larry... Phillips, David Phillips. Oh, David Phillips. Was David Phillips the lawyer David for that? David Phillips was your lawyer for one of I, it wasn't. I think it was the Larry guy for this one. Because oh, David okay. Phillips was actually really good. I don't think... I think we messed up and got the other guy. Because oh, I think they should have got all charges dropped. Did, not, did they oh, actually they grow press charges against like being held at gunpoint? No, they said it was her word versus the, the guys. Also, may have been. May have been her word versus them. And she may. they may have even told her to freak out and say all that. Oh, yeah. I, I honestly don't... Because I met that guy later. Um... I'll tell the story. This is so, this is crazy, but. Um, you met which guy, Robert? The guy that had the gun. Oh, oh, stolen from oh him. okay. I met him a few years later, two years later, at a party. And when we showed up, two friends of mine, or I should say two acquaintances of mine, two guys I knew, were beating him to death. I don't know why. What? I showed up at the party. It, was, it wasn't even a party, it was a small get together at this house. And they were on top of him. And he was unconscious. I didn't even know it was him either. Oh I just knew it was God some dude. That these, Did he die? No. So they were, but they were, he was unconscious and they were still hitting him in the face. Oh, my God. And so I grabbed them and I pulled them off of him. And his girlfriend was there. Freak, the girl that, the, the yeah. girlfriend of the guy they were hitting was there screaming hysterically. She, she was unable to get him off. And so I got him off of him, pushed him away. Matt Yeager was with me. And I said, Matt, grab him and help his girlfriend get him into the car. And I held them off. Well, they got this guy into the car. And she took him to the hospital. She took him to the hospital and, and basically saved his life. And uh, about two months later, I ran him into a bar and he bought me a drink. And, and he's like, I don't know if you remember me. And I remember, I was like, yeah, you're the guy. He's like, yeah, you saved my life. He's like, I really appreciate oh, that. Oh, wow. He goes, I'm really sorry. He's like, a few years ago, I know you. He's like, there was a gun. My gun was stolen at your house. Oh, wow. 
And he's oh, like, that was that me. Freaky? It like, was that's crazy. The circle of life or but, something. But I, I, I still don't know him well. But I, I don't think that he was actually holding her hostage. I think he yeah, might have said, "Play it up" or something. Up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I know that after you guys moved out and Daddy and I were getting the trailer ready just to resell, um, somebody came broke all the windows. Do you remember that? Every window. It was one of. The, it was probably yeah. one of those kids that hung out there that yeah. just we wanted to go hang out and was like, "What's going on? Why is nobody hanging out? Was it boarded up?" And they, they were bored and just busted the windows yeah, out. Yeah, so we had to board all the windows up, and then luckily the insurance company paid to have all the windows replaced, and then we did. We sold it pretty quick after that. Well, I'm sorry that you had to deal with raising me. <laughs> oh. No, you were worth it. But I will, I will say that. Let me tell you when all this started was in seventh grade. So I remember the first year, of, the first semester of seventh grade, you brought him a report card. He had straight A's, like 90. I think his lowest grade was 96. Second semester, all of his grades had gone from the 90s to the 60s. And I remember one time him coming in the door. That's the first time I ever smelled pot on you. It was in seventh grade. You walked I was sitting watching TV, walk past it, and I'm like, I know that smell. I said, I have not smelled that smell since I was 18, but you've been smoking pot. And, of course, you turned around and said, I know some guys I was with started smoking. I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> but the guys I, I was with were smoking it, and that's why I smell like it. So I'm like, all right. I'm sure he was smoking it. I'm sure I was I smoking was it. Seventh grade is when I started smoking it. First time I ever <laughs> smoked was with Grant. And I told, it's funny, because if anybody listens to this, they're going to have heard Kristen's the week before, and I just told this story on hers because I was telling her, because it was in Stanley. And uh, it was with Grant, and we were at his grandmother's, and he bought a bag of pot. And I was scared of pot. I was like, I don't know if I don't want to. And, and he, so Grant smoked it the first night, and I hit it like a half of a time. And it didn't do anything, but I was like, I'm good, man. And he smoked a lot, and he's like, this is fun. And I'm like, all right. The next day, we woke up, and he's like, I'm going to smoke some more. And he's like, you should. And I had hit, took one little hit the night before. I was like, I was fine. I was like, you know what? I'm going to smoke it with you. So we sat, and we smoked the whole joint, and I just was so high. It was like a dream. It was yeah. so weird. And like the first time was always different. After that, it was just the... Was the high. grandmother in the house with y'all? No, we smoked out, like out oh, behind oh, a shed okay. or something. Okay. And, and I remember it was raining, and I walked. We walked through all these fields. I ruined my new shoes that I was trying so hard not to ruin. But as soon as I got high, I was just stomping through pedals. And <laughs> but I, I told the story at Kristen's. I was like, when I, I remember when I came home, and this was hours later. I was still just dazed. And you had a like a kind of rule that when you answer the phone, if you say hello, and the other person on the other end doesn't immediately say hello, it's a telemarketer. So hang up. Oh yeah. And I remember I picked up the phone, but I forgot to say hello. So I picked up the phone and I just listened for a minute. And then I hung up. And you're like, Aaron. I was like, it was a telemarketer. You're like, <laughs> you're like you didn't say hello. I was like, oh, I forgot to say hello. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. But, um, so, well, so back to the Miss Boston story. So the last... Oh, the art teacher. The art teacher. Back to yeah. the art teacher story. So when the last class she allowed me to be in was right after I got suspended or right before I got suspended I went in that day we had got really high before class and I remember going into class and she had a rule you weren't allowed to talk but some of the kids would whisper and talk and it was fine and, and there's so I'm in there and I was talking about my art project I wasn't like hey what are we doing later I was working on something and I was like like I looked over I was like hey what do you think about this and she just hated me she's like Aaron that's it you're outside and the art the art classroom was 
um, on the outside of the school to where the back door led right. to the bus parking lot. Right. She actually like kicked you out of the yeah, and, building. And the and the bus parking lot was empty during the day. There was it was just an empty parking lot. So she's like, "That's it, Aaron. You're talking. You're going outside." So she grabs a chair Aww. and she sits me. She sits me in the middle of the parking lot, back facing the school, in the chair. Oh my god! They could never do that these days. Oh my gosh! So my back, back facing the school, in the middle of a parking lot, what super high. So I fell asleep in the chair for <laughs> I don't know how long, ten or twenty minutes. And when I woke up, I woke up in a chair in the middle of an abandoned parking lot. <laughs> Oh I had no God. idea where I was. I was oh like, it was like a Pink Floyd video, like really oh psychedelic, like, like, where am I? Yeah. So immediately, I'm like, I'm going to pull out a cigarette and light a cigarette to kind of figure out what's going on. Like, first thought, let me get a cigarette. So I light a cigarette, I'm sitting there, I'm puffing, I'm like, like, what is this about? So you're smoking a cigarette so and I light the cigarette. I light the cigarette, and as soon as I light it, I, I mean, it was like a gut react, just to light the cigarette, take a drag, and all of a sudden... Aaron! I'm like, it just came. I was like, I'm oh at school. Oh my God, came back to you. I was like, I'm at school. I'm sit, um, in tr- oh, I was like, oh, I'm getting suspended. And sure enough, she drags me inside. And she's like, like that's it. And they, they suspended me for three days. You had to come pick me up. And she was like, he's no longer allowed to take art. He's not allowed. And there was only one other elective class available. It was Bible class. So I took Bible class. And then I dropped out soon after that. I was like, oh, I'm, I just, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. I just, like I said, that was, uh, I wish I was bolder and would have, could have. Well, how did you feel when you had to pick him up from that? Oh, I picked him up. smoking a cigarette. Quite a few times. (laughs) Oh, but I mean. It wasn't as shocking you got the call. (laughs) So so you get in trouble for drawing a picture that your art teacher didn't Told you to draw a sneaker. (laughs) And then you, she put you outside in a parking lot. I was in the chair. Sometime after that, I'm not sure how long, yeah. but because he was talking and she didn't like him. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I I let him drop out, and then he decided to go back a couple times. We went, got your back going again, and then it just didn't didn't seem. I think to. that was the second time. I think I had already dropped out and went back at that point, and that okay. was when I was like, I think I did two two weeks with the art with the Bible school thing, which I was really good at. I, I was raised in Bible school and all that, so I knew I think that class was and easy. You've got to memorize. You can memorize anything. Yeah. I remember Ray, Ray yeah. saying that um, that he, he would just you would just read the scripture one time and then take the test and get every word for word. <laughs> I know he's got like a, beneficial for you. Yeah, memory. <laughs> there used to be. I'm not that way anymore. I have to have my song lyrics in front of me. I mean, the the ones that I've known from when I was a kid, I, I never need. But yeah. new songs I learn, I just I need the lyrics in front of me. Your memory fades a little as you get older. Yeah, but, yeah. Wait till you get really older. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, so I kind of knew that in seventh grade that that was what was going on when your grades fell because people said, you know, he's probably smoking or doing something. And then the teachers worked with me. I don't know if you remember. They let you go and make up homework and stuff, and then they upped your grades back up to the 80s. I remember. There was a lot of that. I did yeah. some summer schools to make up. and I, See, it's also about how good the teachers are because I had a summer school teacher in geometry that was amazing. He was explaining us geometry is like imagine a ghost. A ghost is something we can't comprehend because it's from another dimension. So imagine a sphere that travels through a two-dimensional world. It would start as a point and then turn into a circle and then back into a point. And if you were living in that two-dimensional world, how would you describe what, you, what was a three-dimensional thing? You would call it a ghost. That's so a great teacher. I, yeah, I was just blown away. I was like, yeah. so, and I, so I aced that. And then I had other teachers that were just so boring 
and so just uninspiring. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I remember I was I loved I I liked liter I loved reading, but my lit teacher was just awful and she was boring. And I remember once I took Miss Griffith's class, but only once, and it was right before I dropped out. But I tried to disrupt her class once, like I would do, and make everybody laugh. And she made me feel stupid, but uh-huh. not in a mean way, uh-huh. in a way that like challenged me. And I realized I can't disrupt her class. She's too clever for me. Oh. And it made me want to impress her by being good in her class and, and show her that I'm smart. And that was the kind of teacher that I yeah. needed. That was actually Chris's favorite teacher, I think. She was the best in the school, I think. Yeah. I mean, I imagine you wouldn't have dropped out if you hadn't had the, the, the proper teachers. You know, so I, there, There's some of that. Also, sometimes I think you're just defiant. There's that too, but honestly, really, art was my favorite subject. I wanted to be an artist. I mean, that's 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 so unfortunate. You even said that your friend Adam. Yeah, my friend Adam. I, I, I he was in my high school, but we weren't friends in high school. We became best friends later, and he was telling me one night about. He's like, I was going to be an art major, but this teacher, Miss Boston, just like ruined it for me, and I, I dropped out. And I was blown away when he said that. I was like, Miss Boston. I was like, same teacher for me. It's the reason I dropped out. She's ruined many a life. Yeah, I, th- <laughs> I think this family. podcast now has a name, like well, Miss Boston's failures. <laughs> but no, look at you now. Adam and I mean, like you, you're doing a podcast. Well, I'll say this: my life went in a way that I would have never. It wasn't by design, but it turned out great. I play music for a living in Florida. Married to you, we have a great life. You do have a great life. You really do. Yeah, you yeah. guys do. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about the way things worked out. I'm not. I do think though. And everything happens for a reason. I mean, that's just how. But life no, goes. let's let's look what we talked about in this podcast. Like like the education system, the fact that like you've had some crazy experiences. Due to drugs and everything, but you've all the while had a very supportive mom. Well, that does help. And I talked to Kristen about that today. I said, you know, because I, I talked about how does she feel having to raise kids in a place like Gastonia where there's going to be drugs. And these are, it's not just Gastonia, it's any place that's had some economic um, upheaval. Yes. Kids, kids are going to be subjected to drugs. I'm like, and, and the difference now is the fentanyl. Because back then, I mean, if, there, if, if I grew up right now and did the same amount of drugs I did, I might be dead. It's yeah. terrifying. It's yeah. absolutely and terrifying. And, and Kristen's so worried about that in Gastonia, but I brought up something to her. I was like, you know, we have friends that got wrecked by, this, by, by drugs in this city and ended up either dead or in jail and have no lives. So I was like, but I didn't. You didn't. Your husband didn't. And the difference is, is we all had solid homes. Like, yeah. our families were together together. We had that support, and I think that that really matters. And a lot of the kids that we saw kind of just get swept under the, you know, swept away in this thing. They did. They had a single mother that was barely getting by, or didn't uh, drugs herself. Did drugs themselves. They just didn't have any solid foundation. So, and I told Kristen, I was like, you know, you and Kyle create a great foundation for your children. Oh, yeah. I sure don't did. think you really have to yeah, they're worry. They're good parents. Yeah, yeah they they're, are. They're yeah. good kids too. They're yeah, because they're that. sweet boys. The yeah, only they thing really I, are. The only thing I said she should worry about is even kids raised in great homes will experiment here and there. Yeah. They won't have problems with them. And the problem is is that if you experiment in, in this current drug climate, it can mean life or death just by experimenting. Yeah. And so I said the best thing you can do for your kids is be honest. Yeah. Don't tell them that you're not going to do drugs. Say, look, you might tell them you know I don't say I don't want you to smoke pot but if you do that one's kind of okay if, you, if you're going to do something I'm not going to tell you it's the worst drug ever I'm going to tell you wait till you're in college 
But I'm also going to tell you, if you do pills or something, they could mean life or death. Yeah. Because yeah. these one, pills... One half a pill can kill yeah. you. They yeah. can't... Well, That's terrifying. And, yeah, because... And, and even drugs that you think you know what they are on the streets, they're, they're now manufactured under brand names, but they're not. They're yeah. fentanyl. It's so So terrible. unless you get it from a pharmacy yourself, yeah. don't trust it. Yeah. And it's a hard thing, but the thing is we have... Because we, as kids, when I was growing up, I felt like I was lied to. But for, I remember the first time I smoked pot, I thought... This is the craziest thing I've ever done. And then when I was high, I had so much fun. I was like, well, what else was I lied to about? And even South Park had an episode about that. Why are we telling our kids that these, like, making up lies about certain things? Because then they're not going to believe us when we, tell, when we tell you that heroin's addicting and can be deadly. Well, we might not believe that if you told us the same thing about pot. I mean, I smoked pot. I mean, everybody did. You'd go to a concert, you know, Arlie the Speedwagon concert or Jackson Bryan concert, and, you know, everybody would pass yeah. something around. You, have to, you couldn't take, not take a <laughs> yeah. hit because, you know, then you wouldn't be cool. So, I mean, I always did. But, um, <laughs> but you know, once I... Jackson yeah. Brown, Arlie Speedwagon, yeah. That was I love a, it. And uh, I love Jackson it. I, I great, actually love those bands. Great concert. But anyway, um, yeah, well, so... Oh, of course, I even saw the Beach Boys in Binghamton one time. But anyway... um. I hadn't smoked or done anything other than alcohol since I was 21, maybe 22 at best, until I went to Colorado. And Carrie's like, do you want, we can go to the dispensary and get some little brownies if you want to try some. So I thought, oh, that might be interesting. That might be fun just for to try. And so we split a brownie, five milligrams, whatever that means each. And I thought, oh, it's not even hitting me. Oh, but it yeah. finally did about an hour yeah. later, and oh my gosh, it was crazy. Were you okay was, though? Like, were no. you? No. Oh, <laughs> was it not okay? <laughs> like, like how long were you not okay for? Probably maybe two hours, oh, maybe three hours. That's and, worse. Um, it was it was really bad. And we went to her and I went to a restaurant. Actually, she she <laughs> didn't ha- she did not have her half until we got back. I she goes, you just have your half because she was going to drive and. When we got in the restaurant, I couldn't even talk. I'd start to say something to her, and it, like, would be floating there in my mind, and I couldn't. I'm like, I can't pull it. I can't pull it down. I, I gotta just tell you this, and, I, and then I'd start laughing hysterically. And then the way the the server came up, and I said, I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell her that I that I ate. Ate a brownie. She's like, "Mommy, don't have to tell her." I'm like, "I'm gonna oh, tell her." But so, do you realize how adorable that would be if you actually said that to the server? Like, I did. Just, like, I, I did, did say it. Oh, oh I ended okay. up saying it. Yeah. So Carrie was just laughing. She was, "Mom, they're used to that. This is Colorado." So yeah. Um, when we got ready to leave, and this is the honest truth, Carrie will vouch for me. When we got ready to leave. They were all lined up, all the cooks, the servers. Bye now, bye now. And when we walked out, Carrie's like, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I think they were they, just playing with me, don't they, you? They must have been. They must they, have been. I think that they just were being kind to you. I really think that they were just being I'm like, oh like my they, gosh. And then I was scared. I didn't want to go back to her so house. I thought the grandkids were going to wonder, what is wrong with grandma, you know? That's something you don't want to. Um, well, so, I, do, I do think they need no, to be a little you're more. you're not hurting anybody. You're no, not. No, like, you're no, just, was, you're just, you're just. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I do think they need to be a little more upfront with with people that are new to the pot experience with like, edibles. Hello, me. Edibles are so much stronger than taking a few hits. I know. And and also it's different for each person. I know people that can eat hundred milligrams. That's how much they prefer. Oh my gosh! I, I had five. 
five. Yeah, no, and five's my max. Like, if I do ten, I can do ten, but I'm too high, but I can do ten. Like, I just got my medical marijuana card. Oh, wow. No, well, like, like, geez, I've got to renew it now, so it must have been, like, a year ago. Seven months. Seven months? Yeah, uh, whatever. But, like, I, I have not used it. Really, yeah. because, like, I just, I, like... She doesn't like it. I don't like yeah. it. And, like, I, I want, a, like, very small dose, and they don't sell that in Florida. Everything is, like, 9%. And the only kind I liked was in Colorado, and it was, what, like, 3? 3%. 3%. But, so, 9% to most pot smokers is, is a low percent. Like, I, I, but I also agree, 3%, I, you can smoke a whole joint, and you can be a little bit high. Nine percent. You smoke a whole joint. You're pretty high. So it's kind of like I, I smoke like one percentage. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah, about the THC of. percentage. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so like a lot of the pot, especially in Colorado, is you know the 27, 28, sometimes thirty five percent. It's 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 very strong. Whereas if you smoke three percent, then you're getting on CBD. You're getting some other other things, but you're not getting yeah. super stoned. Yeah, for some reason, CBD too. Like I just I can't like it just doesn't it. it feels like I'm smoking weed and I get freaked out. CBD? Yeah. No. No, Wait, does I, that, I, I does do. Does that make you sleepy? The C- I've heard people No, it, it makes me feel like it smells too much like weed and I think psychologically, like, oh, so, yeah. like, I, I don't know. You like, make yourself I don't know. The last time you smoked CBD, I put real weed in it also, and you knew that. I didn't do it without telling you, and I think that's what you're thinking of. Because yeah. CBD bud by itself won't get you high. Yeah, I've heard that it does not have whatever that it doesn't, is. It, it doesn't get you high. No, yet. but I did get super high. Because there was actual weed in it. Yeah. There was THC in yeah, it. Yeah, and he put me. on a John Denver album, and I was like, this is that the was, most no, so that was thing. No, that was Delta 8 THC. Oh. So there's a new THC. So Delta 9 THC is the THC that's in pot. They found a new strain, Delta 8, which is still THC and still gets you high, but it's legal right now. You can buy it in North Carolina. Oh, wow. And I bought it, but it's, it's a lot milder. And I bought it, and I smoked it, and it didn't do much for me. But I, I, she took a real big hit, and she was stoned. And I know it wasn't in her head because I could tell she was yeah. uncomfortably high from, yeah. a, from something that didn't do anything to me. And so you can buy that just like You can buy that anywhere, Delta 8. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, and and I, I, I was like, I, like I, I don't smoke weed to get high. I, I was trying to do it just because I had like severe anxiety at the time, and yeah. like it, some people it, swear by it for anxiety. I think it adds to her anxiety, and some people <laughs> no, it does. No, I, I can't. I can't. You yeah, see, it. Carrie said, "Mom, there's, uh, you should take a little bit of pot while you're here and help you sleep." And and I was up all night. No pot does not help me sleep. Yeah, I, it, it, I well, like I it. so I haven't touched it since. When I go out there now, I don't even. But everybody's pot affects yeah, everybody it's, differently. It's different. It's yeah, it works for Carrie. She, yeah, it does yeah, every night. Every night yeah. helps her sleep. For me, I, if I smoke indica, which is the one that's more relaxing, it mellows me out and I can sleep eventually. But it doesn't make me tired to go to sleep. Yeah, it, my mind still kind of is racing a little bit on it, like, yeah. but in a good way. Like, but I just, it, I, I, I've been taking melatonin. But um, I've heard things about negative things about that, but it just works so well. I, I take melatonin. It makes the dreams melatonin, are so vivid. Melatonin, yeah. Oh I my like goodness. it. Yeah. I get the best. That's, that's all. That's all I need it. right now. Yeah. Carrie gives all her kids a little. Do you still take Ambien? All right. I asked my mom if she still took Ambien. We got into a discussion about sleep medicine. I'm going to use the word devolve. The conversation kind of devolved into different ways we all fall asleep. It got a little boring because it's the end of the night. We were getting tired. So I ended the podcast there and we picked up the next morning. There was a few things that I just 
felt like I didn't touch on. So the next morning, I sat at the breakfast table with my mom, and we recorded a little bit more. So this is the end of our conversation right here. All right, so it's the next morning. We slept in the camper last night. There was crazy rain this morning, and I just had a few questions or things that I wanted to bring up that I forgot to bring up yesterday. So I was talking to Kristen, and she brought up the point that that you you lived you and dad actually y'all lived in the, you know through the 70s and there were some pot smoking you brought that up that you know when you were very young at the concert you smoked pot and then when you're raising us in the 80s there was this huge anti-drug campaign it started with the Reagan administration just say no drugs are the number one threat to, to society dare dare and all that and I remember and Kristen remembers more than me because uh, she, she was saying she remembers you saying you know, do not ever do drugs, do not ever smoke pot, like it's, like, it could kill you, it could be laced or something, and Kristen was like, well, you grew up in the 70s smoking, so you, you knew this, these had to be exaggerations, or did you actually believe that it was worse now, or something? Like, I don't remember you guys telling, I don't remember the anti-drug stuff coming from you personally, I remember... Yeah, I didn't much. talk about that a whole lot with you guys, I mean... Uh, I didn't really see drugs through a lot of years. You know, we were in church. We just weren't with. We didn't run with any groups of right, so people. So it was a very short time at the end, probably in the high school before college. Yeah, yeah just college. Yeah, that um, eighteen to twenty-one, I'd say. And and I did one time smoke some pot that actually was had to be laced with something because I hadn't gone going to the experience, but it was a very bad. Experience. Well, what was the what was the bad it, experience? Like, was it you got sick or was no, it just anxiety? No, no, I ended up somewhere where I had no idea how I got there. So back in the back in the seventies, they did actually lace it with PCP sometimes. It, yeah, but it, but it wouldn't be the the dealers. It would be the person who was wanting to smoke it. They would because dealers didn't they weren't going to waste drugs on somebody that you know they're like we'll put PCP in it. Yeah, it was a they called it a love boat, I believe. Yeah, I I don't know because I'm just you know I wasn't buying it. I was just whoever had it. I you know smoked it and then. But anyway, you know, once I was 21, and of course when I married Dad, we weren't into. We never did drugs. Never did any you know other than drinking once in a while. Yeah. Didn't do any of that through all the years. I'm going to tell you when I found out one time you and Jackie were in the back seat. On the table. Oh, we're on the back seat of the car, and I heard her say, um, "Yeah, um, something about." pot in the Ashbrook parking lot and I said pot you mean marijuana and she said yeah she said I said people smoke that stuff still and she said oh yeah great um Aunt Dolores she said um probably 80 <laughs> percent of the kids at Ashbrook smoke pot that was how old was she was she at Ashbrook she was at Ashbrook so she must have been at least in Ninth or tenth grade. Eighty percent has That's to be an exaggeration. She, that did. Th- I, there was a lot of kids smoking pot in my school too at Forestry, which is probably the same group. percentages. Yeah. I I would say probably half the kids, but even then, only on, only probably ten percent smoked regularly. Okay. But the other, other well, that's what she told. I just remembered, and I I was just like shocked because I'm like I didn't even know they still had um, pot prevalent anymore i mean we just hadn't seen it we've been in church we you weren't know. around it but also do you think that there was, it was possible that you thought that because of all the money that you know we were spending in the war on drugs as a country and all the just say no you thought maybe it was working i did i did think the dare program i mean you know we all had our bumper stickers yeah so were you are you surprised to learn that it's not, not only has it not worked but it's, it's caused it to get about 20 times worse than i mean was. i did not know that no and did you know that when the war on drugs started that drugs were not that big of a problem 
the, the drugs that they said it was number one threat, this was all made up. There was no huge threat with drugs at the time. Yeah. Um, the t- drug use was way down in the 80s when it started because it was up in the 70s and then in the 80s it just wasn't as popular. Then the war on drugs started. And I almost think they might have, you know, when they're, they're teaching all these kids about all these drugs, I got really fascinated with that stuff. Yeah. I yeah. was scared of it though. I wasn't fascinated, like, I oh, can't wait to try it. I was. Oh, but I was intrigued. Yeah. And yeah. then once I smoked pot and thought, this isn't nearly as bad as what they said, then I wanted to try everything else. They kind of lumped it up, so it became a gateway to me because it was lumped up with those other drugs. Yeah. But they should have yeah. said, there's different levels of ones that are bad. But, um, so there was another thing I read that I found interesting, that conservatives, because you're conservative, yeah. conservatives were against the war on drugs at first, at least within law enforcement. Because they did not want the federal government coming in and telling them how to run their their law enforcement agencies. They right. were like, like we handle the crime in our own town. Right. That's what small conser- government. That's yeah. what conservatives yeah. are. And they, so they don't want the federal government coming in and telling right. them how to, how to, what laws they need to enforce. And so how they when how Reagan figured out how to go around this was we'll start giving them incentives. So because because they were more worried about violent crimes like well rape, uh, murder, domestic abuse. Those are what we're worried about, not somebody smoking pot. Not to say we would, they wouldn't arrest them, but they weren't going to spend a lot of focus on trying to find those people out and go into their houses and figure out who's doing it. Right. The federal government said, well, we'll give you cash for each person that you find. Any drug charge, you're going to get a cash grant per person. Wow. And so they immediately said, well, they can use the money. So they start going to do the drug arrest. But there was no cash for, if you bust somebody who got caught rape, there's no cash for for that. Yeah, yeah. And, so you, and that's yeah. a way worse crime. Oh, yeah. But it's just drugs. And then they also started, uh, I think it was Clinton that kind of militarized it. Where Clinton was like, because once it started, Reagan started it, well, Nixon started it, but then Reagan did the dare and ramped it up. But then every president since, on either side, didn't want to appear, uh, wanted to appear more tough on crime because it kept getting worse. So they kept being like, well, we'll be even more tough than the last administration. Clinton did the three strikes you're out thing, which does devastated a lot. Yes, of poor that was I thought that was that's that's a scary thing right there. It is, and then he also started working with the military to be like stuff you're not using, start giving to the law enforcement. So you militarized police forces, where now they have some were given tanks, helicopters, uh, grenade launchers, which they use to launch tear gas and stuff like that through windows, which have killed people. Yeah, yeah. and um, and they said they, they got it. Well, there's a hostage situation or like a Columbine situation. We need this stuff. 99% of it's used for drug busts. And it's, they go in with task force and they kick in doors. And a lot of times they find like a small amount of cocaine or a joint or nothing. And they make the arrest because they have to justify what they just did. Right. Sometimes right. it's just someone's grandmother. And, yeah. you know, some her grandson's living with her and might be smoking pot or might even be selling a small amount. And then a task force kicks in her door with smoke yeah. grenades and she's freaking out. It's, we've militarized our police and, and yeah. used it to go against our own citizens. Yeah. So, yeah. so you would say you still would agree as a conservative that that's that yeah no just over, government need, overreach. Yes, way, and it's still happening with a lot of in a lot of areas. We, my dad always said things need to be done on local levels. Local people know their people. Like Washington D.C. has no knows nothing about. Lowell, North Carolina, or right. McAdenville. So how they can, you know, tell us how to run our schools, what to teach. It needs to just, everything should be on a local level. Plus it saves tons and tons of money, federal dollars, tax dollars, when it's I done locally. I do, I do think there are certain things the federal government, like interstate roads, of course. Oh, of course. Military, yeah. Those things are obvious. Oh, yeah. But I think with education, there, there has to be some things that are uh, kind of a broad, like, like history can't be taught, like, you can't have oh, some school teaching 
lopsided history that didn't really happen. You got to make sure it's correct, but also then you have to ask, well, how does the federal government? And it's to be uniform, it so does. everybody. So if you move, you just have to make sure the federal government's also not doing that on a broader scale because they could. Right. So right. we make sure that it's um, objectively. Uh, what we're teaching our kids is good, but I think also we're missing a big point on teaching our kids. We don't teach them about credit cards, debt, yeah. and these are real-life things. Well, they've politicized education. They need to be teaching them, not giving them their whatever the teacher's viewpoints are, whatever the school well, and that, that happens a lot more, I think, in the colleges because with yeah, tenure and all yeah. the colleges. Yeah, they're trying become, to move it down, though. It is. Well, I the college, whole college system is about to, uh, I think it's going to kind of collapse because of COVID because everybody's moving into online classes yes. and they're not going to pay $100,000 for an online education right and the colleges they, well, they I read something and he said basically if you look at the cost of medicine cost of medicine has went up a huge percent in the last 20 years but the technology has also went up not it doesn't really correlate that well but it has went up the cost up has went up a little more than the technology but they've both went up yeah. education costs has went up a, a huge amount but the technology is all still the same, basically. Yeah, there's some yeah. laptops and stuff. But the point is, is that you're not getting a more higher quality education. You are getting a higher quality medical treatment. Right. So it doesn't really make right. sense no. that they're making all this no. money. They're charging all this money. And they said also most of them make their money um, with, with uh, what they call it, some kind of funds. Yeah. They're basically investment fund things now. I don't know a lot yeah. about it. but Yeah, let me just say, you know, they started a lot of programs, you know, back, of course, after the war. They needed to help people because people were struggling and a lot of these programs that they started stayed in and they should have really phased them back out I'm not but let me just you can cut this out of the podcast if you want to but this has always bothered me because as a child I remember one of our neighbors in Mount Marion lost their job and this is what how it progressed he lost his job all of the neighbors brought took turns bringing meals to the family um, people donated clothes to them they put the feelers out, and within a month, the guy had a pretty decent job, and that and it was over. Oh, the church helped them with their house payment, and it was good, all good. Now, that same guy in 2021, if he lost his job, he'd be like, oh, no biggie. Go down, get his house payments paid for via the taxpayers, get his food stamps, get his phone paid, because they all get pretty nice phones, just everything he would it would it no longer with COVID that happened but I, yeah no no it's been happening even but if, your house payment yes so if I, I lost my job they, they would pay my mortgage um, Margaret's brother had his mortgage paid for a full year do you remember that Ray a full year I'm just saying there's so many programs out there that instead of letting the community help it's gone federal. It's but also, like, I don't think there's the, the communities as tight as they were. And also, yeah, and that's true too. But no, you also have to look at different towns. You have towns that real small towns. You still have some of that, but in, in big cities, yeah. it's weird that the, the more concentration of people are, the less connected they are. Oh yeah, New York City, super cold. I, I said thank you to a person when I bought something the last time I was in New York City, and the person the person I was with said, "Why did you do that? They don't." You don't have to say thank you here. <laughs> like, they don't pay it. They look at you funny. <laughs> it, is, it is. Even in, like, Florida's, our street's very friendly. Everybody waves on our street. But Florida's kind of, it's not the same as here because we were just in the mountains and we go to the gas station and Meg went in to get something. And she's like, the people here are just so friendly. She's like, they open the doors and have a nice day, ma'am. She's like, <laughs> it's, like yeah, it's definitely different in the smaller towns. Oh, it is. In the mountains. It is. I mean, that is true. Small towns, you know, we love our little towns. I, I think the problem is, is that, I mean, this really goes back to the Civil War, what, what happened with slavery and all that. Once once the, the federal government had to figure out with re, how do you rebuild after the after that war, and the South didn't want the federal, even though they lost, they're like, well, we still don't want you down here. 
So they were down there helping enforce laws, you know, with, um, try, you know, trying to help the sl- slaves that are now free, make sure that they're okay, and, and try to enforce some laws. But eventually, they just kind of got out and just said, you know what, it's up to you now. Y'all rebuild. And then, you know, once the, the, the Jim Crow era happened, the federal government came in again and said, all right, we're, we're going to start. And see, I, I agree with some of these changes. When you have restaurants and stuff like that, that have no colors allowed, no color allowed. And then you had, you know, black, black only beaches. So everything was kind of segregated, which I do find interesting. Bill Maher brought up that they're doing that again, but now it's the liberals. They're like on the colleges, like, well, we should have a separate graduation for the blacks. <laughs> Bill Maher's call me crazy, but I come from the school of being a liberal that se- segregation is a bad thing. And it's, it's just, it's like they don't remember actual history. Like, you yeah. don't want to be set, we want to, I don't know, it's, it's really we're, bizarre. We're not supposed to be looking at the color of anyone's skin, just the content of their character. It really yeah. comes down to we are all the same, we're all people, and we need to live in unity. We are all people, we are all the same, we all need to live in unity. I think that's a great ending for the Thanksgiving Day special. I hope you enjoy the time you have with your family. Thank you for listening. That was my mom. My wife, Megan, joined us. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace Peace out. out.